0: One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. If you have your Bible, would you grab it with me and turn to the book of Joshua? Turn to the book of Joshua, and we are going to continue uh, the series that we started last week that we're calling Possessing the Land. And really, what we're talking about, we're looking at the book of Joshua, uh, and we are looking at this story of God's people moving into the promised land. And uh, the scripture says this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, listen to this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given it to you, as I said to Moses. And last week we began this series uh, through the book of Joshua on possessing the land and really understanding the uh, the reality of the fullness of our salvation and we see in the story of Israel really a a 2 picture of salvation we see that God delivered Israel out of Egypt and that is a picture of uh, that picture of bondage that picture of oppression is really a picture of what God does for us as he initiates salvation in our lives through delivering us out of bondage Uh, not perhaps physical oppression, but the oppression of sin, an internal oppression, a spiritual oppression. And when we come to Christ, we are like Israel, delivered out of bondage. I I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God's brought me out of uh, my old life, my old identity. And uh, some of that uh, was experienced and some of it, there's things that God even save me from the potential of what that could have been, a life of slavery. But I'm so grateful that God brought me out. But that wasn't the full story for Israel. God not only brought them out, but he also wanted to bring them in. In fact, the book of Exodus chapter three, verse eight, God is speaking to Moses and he says, I've come down to deliver them out of the hands of, uh, of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land, listen to this, to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And so here's what I want you to see, these this double-sided salvation, that not only did God deliver Israel out of bondage, but he brought them into a land of blessing, a good land, a land uh, flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance, a land of provision, a land where he would dwell among them. He would be their people. He would bless them. And through them, ultimately, he would become a blessing to the world. And we see in that, or they would become a blessing to the world. uh, And we see in that really This double-sided salvation that God has not only saved us from the past, but he's also saved us for a purpose. He's not only saved us from, he's also saved us for. And, you know, many Christians live their lives knowing that they've been saved from the past, but never understanding what they've been saved to. And ultimately, God wants to bring all of us into a, a a. promised land, a place of God's blessing, a place of God's goodness. Now, I'm not talking about a natural place. Uh, I'm not talking about something where it's, you know, let me get my dream house. And if I could just get into that place, then I'd really be blessed. Uh, I'm not talking about if I could just get into a place in my career, if I just got to this point or maybe financially, if I just got to this place, then I'd really be living the good life. I'm not talking about a place of uh, relationship. If I could just get this relationship status or if I could just get to kind of this place, then I'd really be satisfied. I'm actually not talking about, and the scripture is not talking about something natural. It's talking about something spiritual, a place in Christ, a place, uh, as Jesus called it, in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And that's what God wants to bring every single one of us into, a greater place in uh, Christ, a greater place of Christ-likeness. And so uh, many times we minimize salvation just to the forgiveness of sins, just to bringing us out of bondage. And certainly that is essential to salvation. We have to understand the salvation of sin and we also understand the, the hope that after this life our future is guaranteed with, with Christ. But God wants to bring us into something uh, in this life. God, wants, God has a greater um, work for us than just knowing that our sins are forgiven. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Now, he's talking about He's talking to Timothy, his son in the faith. And if you know Timothy, you know he was a follower of Jesus. He had come to faith in Christ. He's already been saved in the sense that his, his, his sins have been forgiven. But Paul is saying there's, there's more. You need to continue to fight the good fight of faith to take hold of everything that God has for you. Or as Paul says, lay hold on eternal life. Now, of course, eternal life is the hope that whenever we leave this life, Whether it's through the return of Christ or whether uh, it's through our physical death, we have the hope of eternal life. But eternal life is not just a quantity of life. It's a quality of life, life with God. And when we receive Jesus, we receive eternal life. Uh, Of course, there's the fullness to come, but we get to experience life with God. What Paul is saying is, Timothy, keep pressing forward. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. There's more to your salvation. And that's what I want you to understand. There's more to your salvation than just being forgiven of your past. God wants to bring you into the fullness of everything he has for you. He wants to bring you into a place of peace, of joy of a sense of purpose, a sense of love in his kingdom. The Apostle Paul also says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to see. Paul was saved, his sins were forgiven, but he was saying, I'm continuing to press forward. There is, there is more in God than just knowing that my sins are forgiven and knowing that I go to heaven when I die. There is more in God. And that's the picture that we see of Israel. They had been uh, saved out of bondage, but God was wanting to bring them into this promised land, uh, this place that he had promised to them, that he had already given to them. But they had to go in and possess it. And you can have something that has been given to you in from God in Christ, but fail to possess it. You know, uh, practically speaking, there's many people, their sins are forgiven, they'll go to heaven when they die, but they, they have yet to step in the fullness of their destiny. And again, I'm not talking about, um, you know, your forever home, your dream job. I'm talking about a place in Christ, a place of peace, a place of, of significance, a place of joy in Christ. And, and, but there's many people, And and many of us would recognize that, that there are people, you know, perhaps a person that loves Jesus, but is perpetually plagued by habitual sin, and it robs them of their sense of joy. They live with this perpetual sense of regret they love Jesus. They're forgiven of their sins. They'll go to heaven when they die, but they are missing out on the fullness of what God has for them. They're they're not enjoying what God has given to them. And I don't believe that we lose our salvation through sin, but we can lose the enjoyment of our salvation. We can lose the the experience of what God has for us in Christ. And, And so perhaps someone that, battles perpetual sin. Perhaps somebody else that they love Jesus, they're saved, they'll go to heaven when they die, but right now they battle thoughts of anxiety in their mind. Maybe someone that that they're perpetually um, thinking, worried thoughts, maybe worried about their health, or worried about their finances, or worried about their career, or worried about their children, or worried about, there's always something to worry about. If we live with that spirit of worry and it robs them of the peace that they have in Jesus. You know, maybe there's other people that, uh, you know, they are saved. They love Jesus, but they live perpetually concerned with what do people think about me? They walk into a room and they're plagued with anxiety about, am I accepted? Am I loved? What will they think about me? And they're saved but they're still in bondage to the fear of man. They're not living with that sense of, I'm loved, I'm accepted by God. They're saved, but they're not living in the fullness. They're not enjoying the fullness of it. And that's the destiny that God has for us is the fullness of salvation, everything that God has done for us. And so I want to say to you today, I, I know... For most of us, if we're watching this, we have probably put our faith in Jesus. But here's the question I want to ask you today. Are you continuing to progress? Are you continuing to move forward? Are you continuing to take ground spiritually to move into everything that God has for you? Or is your salvation stalled in the wilderness? You know, the wilderness is the worst place to be. I told you last week, halfway can be the hardest place to be. It's true in a project. It's true in uh, many ways in life, um, but it's also true spiritually. Uh, Being saved um, but not living in the fullness of what God has for us is a miserable place to be. We don't totally enjoy the past, but we're not living in the fullness of what God has for us in the future. And I believe that God is calling us into a greater place of experiencing life with him, a greater place of joy, a greater place of peace, I believe, as a church. God's calling us in to possess His purpose for our church in a greater way. I don't know if you sense that, but I sense that God has greater things for us. We're continuing to move forward into the fullness of what God has for us. That's the destiny that He has for us. But here's what I want you to see today is that Israel uh, had been brought out of bondage. They had been given this promised land. And it was actually an 11-day journey. It was an 11-day journey from, um, from Egypt into Canaan. But it was an 11-day journey that they stretched out for 40 years. And, and here's what I want you to see, that you can delay your destiny. You can miss out, and we can miss out on what God has for us in Christ Uh, through disobedience, through uh, not following the the example of faith that we see in the scripture. And so I want to give you a couple of thoughts today, uh, and this is maybe presented in a negative way, but I think we can learn from it, of how to delay your destiny, how to delay your destiny. Now, my hope is that we don't delay our destiny, that you as an individual do not do these things, that we as a church do not do these things. But the Bible says that the story of Israel was written for our encouragement as and as an example to us. And so uh, God has brought us out of bondage to sin. God has a wonderful destiny for our lives in his kingdom, but we can delay it through certain things. And so here's some things of how to delay your destiny. Again, don't do these things, but these are things that Israel did and that we should learn from. So number one, how to delay your destiny? Continue feeding old appetites. If you wanna delay your destiny, if you wanna really stretch out uh, taking hold of what God has for you, the first thing that you can do is continue feeding old appetites. Look at what the Bible says of Israel in Numbers 11, verse 4 to 5. It says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up, and there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes." Now this is an interesting passage of scripture. It says, "...now the mixed multitude who were among them." Who were the mixed multitude? The mixed multitude were the people that came out of Egypt with the children of Israel, but were not people of the promise. They were kind of spiritual tag-alongs. And you know, sometimes Uh, When God moves, there's people that kind of tag along that are not in the place of faith. But here's the dangerous thing is that they began to influence the children of Israel. It says that the mixed multitude yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel began to weep and say, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish, which we ate in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Now look at what they're... Look at what they're moaning about. They are moaning about the food that they used to have in Egypt. Now, remember, they were slaves in Egypt. This was was not a a kingly provision. This was the provision of slaves. It, it It was the place where they had been in bondage and they've been brought out. But now they begin to long for the things of the past they begin to think, man, I remember the good old days. Oh, we used to eat that garlic. We used to eat the leeks. We used to eat the onions. And they begin to long for those things. Now, the irony is garlic, leeks, and onions, I don't know if you've noticed this, but they stink. And sometimes there's some things that God's brought us out of But when we do not move into the fullness of what He has for us, we begin to look with longing towards the things of the past and we forget how bad they stunk. We begin to yield to appetites that will ultimately lead us back into bondage. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul contrasts this um, war within every single one of us between the flesh and the spirit. And, And the flesh is those desires within us, disordered desires that would lead us back to things less than the good things that God has for us. It's the things that seeks, it's the desire that seeks to be satisfied with lesser appetites, lesser um, satisfaction, ultimately things that will never satisfy. God has prepared a promised land and they're longing to go back to Egypt, longing for the appetites or with the appetites of the past. You see, ultimately, as God brought them out of Egypt, he brought them out of Egypt in an instant, but it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And so many times, God does a work in our lives. Someone comes to Christ, someone, they're delivered out of the past, and that that sense of guilt, that sense of shame, that sense of of lostness, suddenly, they're saved. They're a new creation. But he still has to work some of those old things out of us. And I know for all of us, sometimes it's easy to look at people that perhaps have um, more obvious habits, so to speak. And we can look at that as an obvious example of people feeding old appetites. But all of us have a tendency to give into the flesh. We all have flesh. And perhaps even in... Um, the way we respond, our our mouth, perhaps the desire to always want to have the last word, perhaps the desire to always want to be right, to feed our ego. These are appetites of the of the past. And Paul says this in Romans 8 13 if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, what does Paul mean by? you will die. Does he mean that you will have eternal death, separation from God? Ultimately, that is the consequences of sin. But for those who have put their faith in Christ, they've been made alive, but you can still experience the death to God's purpose for your life. Moses made it to heaven, but he missed his destiny because he gave into the flesh. He gave into his own uh, carnal desires that led him into disobedience. And so for every single one of us, if we want to move into everything God has for us, we've got to not feed our flesh, we've got to feed our spirit. We've got to feed ourselves on the word of God. That's what you're doing today. Continue feeding your spirit, feeding your spirit man rather than feeding your old appetites. So number one, if you want to delay your your destiny, just continue feeding the old appetites. Continue doing the same things that you've always, uh, you know, the, the things that brought you into bondage. In the past, and and I'm not a legalist. I'm not um, someone that gives rules and regulations. But what we feed ourselves with, or what we feed, grows. So if we feed the flesh, our flesh grows stronger. If we feed our spirit, the spirit grows stronger. And the flesh leads us into bondage to death. The spirit leads us to freedom and to life. So if you want to delay your destiny, continue feeding your old appetites. Number one. Number two, if you want to delay your destiny, uh, criticize God's leadership. Criticize God's leadership. This is what the Bible says of, um, of Miriam and Aaron in Numbers chapter 12. It says, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. So in other words, Moses had married an Ethiopian woman. And for some reason, Aaron and Miriam didn't like who Moses married. And they began to criticize Moses. They began to uh, find fault with Moses and if you know, if you're familiar with the story, you know that Aaron and Miriam were Moses's um, brother and sister, and they had been called by God to serve the, under the leadership that God had called Moses to, to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. But they began to see him not as a, as a man called by God, they began to just criticize him, critique him. The reality is that there's probably two errors that all of us can fall into. There is certainly an error of um, over-promotion, over-exaltation of man, putting people on a pedestal. And that's an error that will always lead us to disappointment. Now, I love what the Apostle Paul said, who, uh, when people were uh, getting wrapped up, the Corinthian church was getting wrapped up with personalities, he says, who's, who's Paul, who's Apollos? Uh, they're they're the Lord's servants. And what he was trying to do was always point people back to Jesus, always point people back to God. And um, ultimately, if we put our focus on a man, you'll always be disappointed. And, you know, we've seen it throughout the history of the church. And even in recent days, when we put a person on a pedestal, that personality and we begin to look to them rather than Jesus. We set ourselves up for disappointment and we set them up for failure. So that's one error, putting a person on a pedestal. But there is another error, and that is uh, criticizing God's leadership, criticizing the the voice of leadership that God has put into your life. And I want you to notice God's response in Numbers 12 to um, Aaron and Miriam. He said, Hear now my words, in verse 6, Numbers 12, 6. Hear now my words, if there is a prophet among you. I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is a faithful man in all my house. I speak to him face to face. I want you to notice that phrase, my servant Moses. God called Moses my servant. And I think that's an important aspect of leadership. That as a leader, Moses was serving unto the Lord. And and here's the recognition that for every person who's in leadership, we have to recognize that we are under authority. We are under the leadership of the Lord. We give an account to the Lord. That means that we bear a greater responsibility because this is God's, God's people, and we're leading God's people. My family is God. My children are God's children, ultimately. And so there is the recognition of that, but there also has to be the recognition that God was using Moses and God uses people. God leads us through people. That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give an account Let them do so with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. The author of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying that don't make it difficult for the leaders that God has placed over you. Don't become a critic of the leadership. And one of the challenges in leadership is as Miriam and Aaron were close to Moses, in the natural relationship, oftentimes the closer we are to a person, the more we see their humanity, the more we see their faults, the more we see their shortcomings. But we have to recognize that they are not just a human, they are also called by God, gifted by God, appointed by God. And so we submit to them, not because of who they are, but we submit to them as unto the Lord, the scripture says. And so for every single one of us, God has put authority, leadership into our life. Uh, In the home, he's put the leadership and the authority of parents. Uh, In in our work, we have a boss. In the church, God has put pastors and elders and and, and, um, apostolic leadership into the church. In, In our nation, God has put government. And it doesn't mean that we uh, don't recognize what's wrong is wrong and right is right but if we take on the attitude of a critic and are perpetually criticizing the leadership that God has given to us, we're cutting ourselves off from the blessing that those people are to be in our lives and here uh, God had appointed Aaron to de- or God had appointed Moses to deliver the children out of uh, out of Bondage to lead the children of Israel into their destiny and here they are criticizing here. They are fault-finding and and Ultimately, if you read the story, you know that God Corrected them and it delayed delayed their destiny and it hindered them from entering into the promised land And, and I believe it's an encouragement for every single one of us to maintain a teachable spirit a humble spirit We're all under leadership And even if we're in the place of leadership, we're under God's authority, and He knows everything. So we don't want to criticize the leadership that God has put into us. But if you want to uh, delay your destiny, like I said already, continue feeding the old appetites. Criticize God's leadership. And then the third thing I want you to see, if you want to delay your destiny, if you want to just really stretch it out and not move into what God has for you, and I know you don't want to do that, but if you do... And the third thing is confess a bad report. The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 13 that Moses had sent in 12 spies to spy out the land. This place that God said, I'm going to give you this place. This this is your place. I've promised it to you. And here they've come out of bondage. God has parted the Red Sea. He's fed them manna from heaven. He's led them with with pillars of fire and a, a pillar of cloud. He's led them through the wilderness. He's sustained them. And now they're standing at the edge of the promised land. And Moses sends in the 12 spies. They spy it out. And the Bible says in verse 31, Numbers thirteen thirty-one. the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. And if you know the story, you know that lack of belief, that lack of faith, based on a bad report that was ultimately based upon what they saw with their eyes as opposed to what God said in his word. They believed what they saw over what God said. That bad report kept them out of their destiny and every single one of us have a decision to make. Are we going to be people that live according to the flesh? Are we going to be people that live according to what we hear and according to what we see? Are we going to live just in the natural, or are we going to live by faith? Are we going to walk by faith? Are we going to say, I believe that what God has said is true? I believe if God says that he'll give me peace, I believe God's going to give me peace. I believe if God is going to give me joy if he has said that that um, he will fill us with joy I believe he will fill me with joy are we going to believe the bad report or are we going to believe the good report of God's word I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 he wrote this while being in prison in the natural in a place where he could feel like his destiny was stalled out in a place where he could feel like I'm not sure that what God has called me to is ever going to come to pass. But he says this, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And church, I want to say that to you that He who has begun a good work in you, I don't know when He began it, I don't know how it began, but for every single one of us, there was a moment that God put His hand upon us, that God gripped our heart, that God brought us out of the bondage of sin. And He who has begun that good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And of course, ultimately, that is the day when we see Him fully face-to-face, so to ask the proverbial, I think it was Bart Simpson who asked the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We're not there yet, but we can, we're going to continue to move forward by faith. We're going to continue to take hold of everything that God has for us. We're not going to continue feeding the old appetites. We're not going to criticize God's leadership, and we will not confess a bad report. We will be people that will speak in line with God's Word and God's purpose for our lives. So as we close today, I just want to leave you with these thoughts, maybe these questions for discussion, maybe for meditation and, and perhaps provoking even in your own spirit. Here's the questions I want to ask you today. Has your salvation stalled out? Are you continuing to move forward in everything that God has for you? Are you, continue to, or are you content to live only knowing that your sin is forgiven and that you have heaven guaranteed or are you taking hold of everything that God has for you? Are you progressing in Christ likeness? Are you more peaceful this year than you were last year? Are you more joyful today than you were yesterday? I know none of us have arrived but we're continuing to move forward. Here's another question I'd love to ask you. Are you allowing temptations to delay your destiny? The temptation to feed old appetites, the temptation to criticize God's leadership, or perhaps the temptation to confess a bad report. You're just, uh, perhaps you're tempted by negativity and allowing the challenges of your life to rule your mind and to rule your life. Are you allowing the word of God to rule your life and to bring you into everything he has for you? I pray that that is the case for you. Can I pray for you today as we prepare to wrap up? Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person that's watching this. God, I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful things that you have for us as a community. God, thank you that you are bringing us into a new season. Lord, even as we celebrated nine years last week, God, thank you for your faithfulness. But Lord, even greater than that, thank you, Lord, that you're not done yet. And Lord, thank you. I believe by faith this year we're stepping into a new season. Father, I pray that faith would fill our hearts, God, that we would say, like Paul says, I've not already attained, but I'm pressing on. I won't allow my my destiny to be delayed. I want to take hold of everything that you have for us. God, help us, Lord. If we are allowing things to delay your plan and purpose for our lives, give us wisdom, Father, that we could continue to move forward by faith into everything you have for us. I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that you are blessed. I hope you'll join us next Sunday. We're going to look at the life of Joshua and the making of a leader. You won't want to miss it. I can't wait to see you then. God bless you.